Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. All right, well, there you have it. Run to the hills. And certainly there's a few places on this planet, my friend, where you might want to be running for the hills, Myanmar being one, Haiti, being another. And so we've got Iron Maiden there, 1982's Number of the Beast album, their first big hit with Bruce Dickinson uh, on vocals. And I think it's appropriate. Chicago. Chicago is another place you might want to run to the hills, certainly New York. Although I don't, I'm not sure there's hills in either of those places. You got to get well outside of, of New York, I think, to hit any material hills. And the same is, of course, true with Chicago. Is it Chicago, the city built on seven hills? Six, six hills, Chicago. Rome is the city built on seven. Okay. They, they were looking for a seventh hill and just couldn't find it. So they said, F it, and just built it on six hills. Hmm. Well, in any event, that is a, uh, an interesting way to, to, to start. Lots of stuff going on in the world of business, in, in the world of uh, politics and uh, current events. So uh, I guess we just dive right in, right? What else can we do? Oh, yeah, I think we should. Uh, as we take the show on the road, you know what that means? It means our state fair tour, which was called off last year because of uh, COVID and a number of uh, different uh, restraining orders that were taken out. But it's back on this year, back and better than ever. Clam Fest, Lobster Fest, Blueberry Pie Fest, Clam Fest, all of it is back on the table. And I, for one, am excited, my friend, to get in the Winnebago with you and just start touring this great country of ours that just celebrated its 245th birthday. I'm fired up myself. The Winnebago is, of course, a challenge, both to drive and to live in, but it's worth it. Well, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Uh, I didn't want to ruin the surprise. I was going to wait until we met in upstate New York at the Finger Lakes region to start our tour. But uh, my friend, I have lined up our usual driver for this um, three-week marathon. So you will not be driving at all. Oh, that's great. Uh, I will also not have to wear the support hose. That's a, absolutely, absolutely true. You you probably won't sleep awake and you'll be more terrified than you were when you were in the Iraq. But uh, look, it's it's the trade-off you make, right? That's right. Sacrifices must be made. So uh, should we dive right in? I mean, we've got the... Um, uh, big story we've been following the past few weeks, the elephants in China. 
uh, I can report that they have all lost interest and gone home. Huh. Well, uh, you know what? I don't blame them. I mean, you start a rampage, you get your friends going, you get, you get, you know, a little rampage ish. And then, you know, eventually, you know, somebody has got to get home because the streetlights are on or somebody gets hungry and stops to get a snack or, you know, somebody pulls a hammy and you sort of lose momentum. And then, you know, before you know it, the whole thing's over, but you know, at least they have the photo documentation. At least those elephants have a story to tell they're grand elephants. And you know what? I, I applaud the effort. China's a big place to try and take over, even if you're an elephant. Yeah. And the, and the final tally, as uh, those of you who follow us on the website, 13.6 trillion yuan. Uh, so the elephants at least have that to hang their hat with a feather on. Uh, next, Brad, we've got the uh, newsreel. And first and foremost, death in Haiti. Death in, uh, in Haiti. Haitian president Looks like he's um, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, apparently uh, some unidentified gunmen uh, hit him in his house, which is not what you're looking for, but unfortunately is also not terribly uncommon in the country of Haiti, which, as I'm sure everybody knows, shares uh, the island of Hispaniola with the Dominican Republic. And what's odd is when you fly over that island, uh, which I've done a couple of times, you can actually almost see exactly where the border is because the Dominican Republic is lush and green and, you know, what you would expect. And Haiti, you know, looks like a war zone, even from the air. The assassins claim to be USDEA agents um, that shot him. Do you think there's any truth to that? Or do you think that was just a hoax? Yeah, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably not true. Now, if they had said they were USDA like beef inspectors, yeah. Then that you know that has more of a more of a more likely. Truth. But the DEA is unlikely to have you know sort of arbitrarily decided to kill the president of of Haiti. But you know <laughs> what, buddy, you 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 never know. Well, we'll let all the facts come in before we make a judgment call. You got to give Biden credit, though. That's sort of thinking outside the box. You know, you want to uh, you're having trouble at home with inflation, trouble with um, uh, trouble with oil, trouble with the border. Um, now trouble with the stock market. It, it's been it's been tanking. Trouble with his agenda through Congress. What better way to distract everyone from that than to assassinate a tin pot uh, dictator? Who, who no one can pronounce his name. Well, I, I mean, it's you know obviously a point well taken. Also, there's a huge likelihood that if Joe Biden and his current you know sort of unsteady state were to have decided that there was a a head of state that needed to go, it's entirely possible that he just misnamed the country as well. Yeah, right? you know, and he wandered down to to the boys in the basement and said, "Hey, let's get rid of the president of Haiti." Uh, he could have well meant almost any other country and just been confused at this point. So no, I will I will say that the latest reporting out of the Wall Street Journal says that a uh, high-ranking Haitian government official told the uh, uh, the journal that the assassins were quote mercenaries uh, unaffiliated with the DEA. So it looks like that whole oh okay that, that's been debunked. All right, well there you go. And I would also say for the record, the Dominican Republic is a fertile. Um, uh, ground for uh, baseball players. A lot of good uh, baseball That's players. That's true. The Dominican Republic, a lot of good baseball players out of the Dom rep. Yes, correct. You never hear that in, in Haiti. Although David Ortiz, the great uh, Red Sox uh, Hall of Famer, soon to be Hall of Famer, uh, was shot in um, 
in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, you want to be careful if you're in the Dominican Republic and you're famous because they're, they're, it can get a little loose. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Mr. Ortiz is obviously from the Dominican Republic. So, you know, who knows? Hall of Famer. Shenanigans there. Correct. Yeah. But then we'll continue to monitor this and see what uh, see what happens, see if President Biden takes responsibility for this or if he passes it off on on someone else exactly where this is all going. I mean, it seems uh, rather unlikely that it'd be chaos in Haiti, but uh, I guess I guess there is. Yeah. Good time not to go to if you were planning on going to Haiti, I would reconsider. And I think, Brad, from a business perspective, it's probably not good, not a good idea to set up shop in Haiti. I guess that's what I'd take away. No, I would not open a Haitian LLC. I would tap the brakes on opening your Port-au-Prince office. Uh, next, the New York election. Surprise, surprise. The uh, the person who led by, uh, I think it was about 60,000 votes, Eric Adams, has won. How about that? See, really? I did not say So they're done with the Democratic primary. even with Well, they're not, the- they're not done. But oh, okay. he, they, the papers have started to declare him the winner. What's oh. interesting is the person who came in third is now within 8,500 votes of winning. This person was like 50,000 plus behind after the people who voted for their candidate decided. But then when you go down the ranked choice voting, this person kept on gaining and gaining and gaining. Uh, there are still about 120,000 ballots where people didn't. You know, you're supposed to pick your top five and rank them in order, like first yep. place, second place. Yep. Didn't yep. pick anyone after the first place. So now the committee has to meet to discern the intent of those people who didn't include second, third, fourth, and fifth I choices. I thought you were allowed to do that. I thought you just, if you didn't listen, want to pick second listen, through fifth, you didn't have to. It's like a pregnant Chad, my friend. We have to go into this and figure it out, okay? It's going to well, be figured out. That'll be a cluster. So the gal that's in third is only 8,500 behind? Who's in second? They well, no, the gal, the gal who was in third after the first choices were- Oh, tacked. I see what you're saying. So now she's bumped up to <laughs> second and she's <laughs> literally knocking on the door of the guy that was 60,000 votes ahead. <laughs> she was behind by 60,000 votes. Now it's 8,500 votes. That and makes she perfect sense. Third. She was in yeah. third. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect God bless. sense. Well, God bless you. you. Right. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It is it is amazing. But hopefully this sticks. We'll know in a few months. And uh, he's about to. Now, he hasn't won yet. He hasn't won yet. He's going to go into the general election where he'll be facing the Republican nominee. And he'll win by 99.8% of the vote. He might. He might. But keep in mind, this is a guy who used to head the Guardian Angels that the Republicans nominated. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that's I'll tell you what. That's one way to go. It certainly is one way, uh, one way to go, but uh, we'll see where it all ends up. Uh, but I, I think this third place uh, woke woman um, uh, could possibly eke one out here. I don't know, but uh, papers are starting to declare Adams the winner, so maybe he has one. I listen. I, I think you have a better shot of tabulating a Haitian election at this point than uh, a New York City mayoral race. Yeah. Well, Haitian elections tend to be easy because there's usually only one guy in it and he gets all the votes. So if 100 people vote, he gets a million votes. It's just the way it works. Yeah, because anyone who votes for someone else gets killed by the DEA along with the other candidate, in which case those votes don't count. Right. Uh, Next, Brad, um, the great Olympic sprinter Shakari Richardson has been kicked off the Olympic roster. Um, and is not going to be placed on said roster because of a positive test for cannabis. Cannabis. So Mm -hmm. pot is what you're talking about. Correct. 
guy was trying to be a little more upper crust, but yes, I guess she smoked a joint before her test because uh, she lost a family member and she was getting over it. Um, again, pot, not performance enhancing. Right. Seems a little insane to. If anything, it would be performance decreasing, right? I mean, you would think. especially for a sprinter. So I would think that if you had a, a top flight sprinter who tested positive for pot, you would want to put them at the top of your list. Cause if she's not on pot and odds are given her experience and you know knowledge of high level competition and track and field, she probably wouldn't hit the pipe or whatever uh, before the actual Olympics. She probably knocks, you know, six tenths of a second off. Yeah. And that way you sort of get lull the other side into a false sense of security. And then you go, Oof, hasn't smoked a joint in a week. Go. Yeah. Right. See, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're looking for is again, I would evaluate all the sprinters for pot usage and the ones that did well and tested positive for pot. Those are the ones you want on the team. Yeah. Positive test is something to be excited about at this point. Exactly. Yeah. I I think it's kind of, uh, I do think it's kind of silly that we are now um, prohibiting um, athletes from competing in the Olympics for a positive marijuana test when marijuana is uh, legal in a majority of the states in this. Well, who, who, so is this purely a USOC decision or is this, does the international body prohibit the consumption of cannabis? Uh, no, it's the USATF. The USAO, okay. Association yeah. of Track and Field, not the alcohol, tobacco, firearms guys. It could be both. I'm not sure. There's some over, if you do a Venn diagram, there's of course substantial overlap there. But overlap, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that that group decided to um, prohibit this athlete from uh, from competing, and she seems to be the best sprinter we've got on the female yeah. side. Yeah, there's probably no so, doubt. Well, you know what? God bless her. I I feel for her. Obviously, losing a family member never something you wish on anyone, and she's probably being very honest about that. And again, it seems to me like that's you know, maybe not as big of a deal as it once was. And, you know, maybe we want to put our best athletes out there, but you know what? That's probably why I'm not a member of the USATF yeah, or either alcohol, tobacco and farms, either one, either, either one, either one. I think it's, I think it's outrageous, but there's still time to reconsider. But what I can tell you, Brad is next, um, even if the family member of Shakari Richardson um, was alive, and even if Shakari Richardson were not prohibited yes. from competing in the Olympics on the USATF squad, um, there would be another level of prohibition because now the country of Japan, land of the rising sun, it's really Correct. where you cut your teeth in the Navy in Tokyo Bay. Um, they have now prohibited uh, spectators from attending the Olympics because of the COVID-19 surge within the, um, the empire of Japan. Uh, do you think that's a good idea? Do you think they should just uh, throw caution to the wind and let everyone in? Yeah, again, we need to, you know, sort of get a much broader perspective, I think, on, on COVID-19 than we have had, right? I, I feel it, it upsets me that so many people are upset by COVID-19 largely because of the way that it has been presented publicly. And I was, and you, you would say by the media, but that's not even fair. I mean, I, I don't think the media has covered it particularly well. 
But even, you know, the, the ones that are supposed to be the adults in the room, our political leadership, the CDC, et cetera, have just made a hash out of the response to COVID-19. And, you know, you don't have to go back very far in history to realize, you know, we, we, we get sick. That's, that's part of the price of admission to planet Earth. And yes, you know, no one, at least no one sane gets sick on purpose, but that, that's, that's part of the deal. And by and large, people survive that process to include coronaviruses. And by and large, people have survived COVID-19. And so I guess if we want to not, you know, have an Olympics where nobody goes, have baseball games where nobody goes, hide in our houses, hope the government sends us checks, you know, effectively live a much reduced quality of life in an effort to avoid getting a virus, then uh, you know what? I think that should be every individual's choice. However, if you are a person who says, you know what? I've been sick before. I'm likely to be sick again. I would like to live life, you know, sort of to its fullest, get out there. And I think that should be an option. And I feel bad for the athletes because, I mean, again, the Olympics, you know, this isn't like a one out of 162 baseball games you play in a season. Nobody comes, nobody comes. Who cares? And once every four years, you get to compete in your sport on the world stage. And now, you know, once again, COVID-19 is being used as the, the, the reason for not having spectators at the Olympics, which is, I mean, what's the point of the Olympics if you're not going to have spectators? It, it seems like this should, this would almost lead an athlete to go get high. Yeah. Who can blame them? Even if it yeah. slows you down. And, you know, you and I were over there. We were over in Japan a couple of years ago. We haven't been, we've, we've been prohibited from going because of the COVID uh, um vaccine and a lick of common sense, but we were over there a couple of years ago and remember how excited they all were. They had their, their, their oh, badges yeah. on and the, oh, the hats, yeah. the, the, um, the, 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 the windbreakers, the, the bathrobes, everything had that Olympic logo on it. Everyone was golf all gloves, golf gloves, absolutely socks, edamame, jock straps, all of it, all, all of, of it, all yeah, of it. And so now 2020 logos. Yeah. It's all out. It's all, yeah. Now it's 2021. So all that stuff is worthless. Well, and how is, I mean, from a, you know, I guess from a quote unquote business or from a purely mercenary perspective, setting aside, you know, whether or not the decision on COVID-19 is right or wrong, setting aside the feelings of the athletes, all those things that, you know, are probably at the end of the day, more important. How in the world is Japan going to recoup the investment that any host country makes to put on an Olympics when they're not going to allow anybody to show up. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good, that's the million dollar question. They're not. And, and, and even as a business, I've, I, I tell you what, Brad, I've had a lot of folks come up to me, a lot of small business owners come up to me the last few weeks. I know you have as well. We've talked about this offline, uh, offline, by the way, for those of you who are um, uh, listening and are not familiar, that's inside talk for when we're not on the air. Um, so Brad, yeah, they, they come to me, they say, they say, David, I say, what they say, David, should we advertise on, uh, NBC for the Olympics, right? I local guy down the street who does appliance repair just last week asked me that. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, probably not the best idea, um, because of one, the staggering cost to the fact that you, if you get any signage in the stadium, no spectators going to see it now because there are no spectators, um, and finally, this is all going to be on in the middle of the night, U.S. time. 
um, unless you watch it on a tape delay, in which case in the modern world, that doesn't make any sense either. So no one, no, no one's going to see it, even if it's the, the TV program. But having said that, I mean, if you are a small business owner and you've always dreamed of having your business name on a 60 foot by 30 foot giant display, you can now probably get that for a dollar and 27 cents at the finals of the 100 meters because there'll be no one there to see it. So speaking of COVID, Brad, it looks like we've uh, either turned a corner or we are in a very difficult spot, depending on who you listen to, right? Um, on the one hand, um, Canada is, is talking about opening the border with the United States, and boy, that'll be an exciting day for us. Um, but on the other hand, places like Japan, as we just talked about, Moscow, Moscow on shutdown because of this new Delta variant, right? The big Delta variant is out of India. It um, has now impacted the UK. Um, it's impacting parts of the US already. And, and it's apparently a more highly contagious um, uh, variant of the COVID-19 virus. Um, but when you look at the numbers, cases are going up. Um, I think the cases in Great Britain have up, up around 30,000 people a, a week now, as opposed to a couple thousand a few weeks ago. But even in the U.S., in parts of the world where the vaccines have taken hold, the hospitalizations are way down, right? And the deaths are even further down. You know, you're talking about thousands of patients being hospitalized. You know, I think it was 50,000 in the U.K., um, early this year and now it's like 1500 and deaths are down to single or low double digits as opposed to in the thousands on a weekly basis. So, uh, you know, I, I guess the question is, are we all being sold a bill of goods by the media about this Delta variant? They seem well, to be I mean, of course we are. Right. I mean, that's the media's newfound job, right? I mean, truth is not important if it ever was, I don't know. I mean, I'm only in my fifties. So I, that's my, the, breadth of my experience. So if truth was ever important, it's not now, right? You got, you got to get people to click. That's the business model. Telling people everything's okay is not going to get them to click. So, uh, you know, we all have to view the media of all flavors, right? Right, left, down the middle, doesn't matter. If people aren't clicking, then the media is not able to support itself. And so, you know, every time you see a headline, you need to be asking yourself, well, why is this headline written this way? Probably to get me to click. Right. I mean, another question we have to ask ourselves is why that airline would come up with its own variant of the virus and then start flying it around. I mean, someone should get the head of Delta Airlines and say, what's with this variant and, and why did you make it and why are you flying it around? And, you know, we need to get to the bottom of that. But, uh, you know, buddy, it doesn't you don't again, you don't have to go back much more than a year. You and I both recall because we talked about this together, the very first press conference that old Trump and Fauci and the, the doc, whose name escapes me now. Papa Doc Duvalier, I think. Papa I don't doc. think it was Papa Doc. It was a gal. But in any case, you remember what they told us? They said, look, we're going to shut her down for a couple of weeks here because our fear is we don't really know because we don't have a lot of experience with this virus, but coronaviruses in general, very common, right? That form of virus, very common. This particular one has some differences from others. So we're not, not really sure what's gonna happen. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna try and get everybody to shut it down for a couple of weeks. We're gonna, you know, obviously viruses spread from person to person. So we're gonna try not to have social contact. 
The point being, not that it was going to prevent the virus from, from coming whistling through the country and whoever was going to get it was going to get it. And you'll recall they told us it was going to be most of us, right? That there was nothing they could do about it. We were going to get sick, but that's what, you know, that's again, price of admission to planet Earth. You get sick. But what we want to do is flatten the curve. You remember that? We, we don't want to overwhelm the hospitals. We're not really sure we want to flatten the curve. Well, then all of a sudden, the, the, the virus became politicized and it became a business, right? It became a media business. It became a political business. It became a pharmaceutical business. And the next thing you know, we're locked down for months and we're wearing masks. And all of a sudden, the, the sort of popular approach to life, at least with, with within certain groups of people is, well, we got to do everything we can to not let anybody get sick. And that's just not going to happen while we're on this planet, right? So as long as we're on this planet, now if we invent space stations and we sterilize them and we all go there, that may be a different story. But here on the old big blue marble, you're getting sick. That's what happens. So, you know, I mean, I just, I think it's nuts that we continue to ruin Many other aspects of life which are as important, if not more important, mental health, other physical issues, right? Education for our children, the economy. The Japanese Olympics. The Japanese Olympics, for Pete's sake. We continue to just drive those things into the ground as if they don't matter, all in an effort to not catch a virus you know, the, the danger of which, whether or not you catch it, that's a different thing, right? I mean, again, let's all remember, you get sick. It's planet Earth, get sick. The question is, well, how sick am I going to get? And is it going to kill me, right? And if the answer is no, I'm going to recover from this just like I have every other illness I've ever sustained, then we need to knock this crap off, seems to me. Yeah, well, it would be uh, interesting. I mean, you know, as we said before, the government, the government really does screw up everything it touches, right? It really I mean, does. Except it does. for, except for um, the ability to actually uh, disperse the, um, the, the vaccine, it, it, everything else it touches, it screws up. I mean, the latest thing now is that the Biden administration is talking about going door to door because they didn't meet their vaccine. You know, their, their vaccine goal was like a hundred million or something by 4th of July. They blew that. And so now they're talking about going door to door to figure out who's, uh, who's vaccinated and who's not and try to, <laughs> to try to convince people to get uh, vaccinated who have not been vaccinated. That's actually what the, um, the uh, secretary of HHS testified to this past week. I mean, where have we heard that before? I mean, who wants the federal government going door to door asking anything, right? I mean, people don't even like the census, let alone, you know, diving into your, your medical history and whether or not you've chosen to be vaccinated. Because, you know, the next thing down the road is going to be we're going to give people cards. The people that are vaccinated are going to have to have these like licenses. You're going to have to present them. I mean, that no Papers, one wants please. to go there. Papers. Yeah, no one wants to go there. Well, but I mean, respectfully, I disagree a little bit because there are oftentimes where there can be a compelling state's interest that would allow for certain deviations from the constitution or from federal law or from, you know, inalienable rights and all the bill of rights and all that stuff. And, and in this case, Brad, we got it this week when the president got up there and gave a speech and he talked about how we could be transmitting the COVID virus to pets. And so pretty clear that that is enough of an interest, a sufficient interest to require that the feds go door, door to door to protect the pets. 
Well, I mean, you raise a good point. Obviously, we're a pet loving country. But again, I feel like I say this every week. I think I do say this every week. I feel sorry for Joe Biden, right? Because either he's nuts, like he is the cheese has literally slipped off his cracker and he thinks it's making a compelling argument that you may, if, you, if you're not vaccinated, you may give your goldfish the, the coronavirus. So he's either nuts or someone is telling him, if you know what's good for you, you will get up in front, you're the president. So when you speak, literally millions of people probably hundreds of millions of people around the world are going to listen to what you say. And this is what we want you to say. And then he does it. I agree with all of that, but you would agree that it would be a problem. For example, your, your, your pet dog or your, one of your many tropical goldfish, um, maybe a cat, a pet Wolverine. Um, you certainly don't want to be responsible for um giving the virus to any of your your favorite pets or even the pets i don't like i mean yeah, that's true even i mean i don't i don't want animals. my pets looking at me and saying listen i you know i got a stuffy nose i can't i can't smell my dinner you know i'm feeling a little tired i think it's your fault i think this might be the covid i mean you know a, a good pet can transmit all of those thoughts with just a glance as you well know and you know no one wants to be in a position of feeling that sort of guilt or burden you know, you give grandma a disease, that's a different story. But if you're giving it to your pet, you're just a bad person. I mean, that's the message that we're getting from our president. And uh, yeah, right. There it yeah. is. I mean, I, Maybe yeah. you just give a pet to grandma, you have a pet to grandma. And then yeah, there you go. And then the two of them can hunker down in the uh, anti-COVID bunker and, you know, ride it out. Ride it out. Yeah. Before we get, we'll have the Delta variant, we'll have the United, you know, we'll have the Southwest variant. I mean, I, again, I don't know why we are doing this, but I'm just a, I'm just one Simple man. Yeah, we're, we're confused. But uh, Brad, that, that leads to RIP report. We've got a couple of um, couple of things. One, the uh, famous uh, actor, uh, director rather, Richard Donner, uh, who directed The Goonies, Superman, uh, Lethal Weapon, the Lethal Weapon oh, franchise, yeah, all yeah. of that. Uh, he passed away, gone too soon. Brad, what do you uh, what do you remember most about those uh, those films? The Lethal Weapons movies were great. Those were just great movies. They were fun to watch. Uh, what was the first movie you said? Well, so Superman. Said, Super, well, Superman, right. Superman. The Goonies. What was the first one? Oh, The Goonies. That was another good movie, actually. So if that, if, if that is what he has directed, he's got Goonies, Superman, Lethal Weapon on his resume. That's a good hot run. Uh, next, Brad, we didn't get to it last week because we ran out of time. Venera Chronicles. The never-ending wow, uh, yeah. um, never journey of the Soviets into uh, space and uh, towards the... Uh, Planet Venus. Now, buddy, help me out. Are we are are we on which Venera are we on? Venera twelve. Venera twelve. Okay, yes. so there is a Venera twelve. There is a Venera twelve. That's the good news. Okay, good. Um, and it, lens it, caps. It, we have lens caps issues on Venera twelve because I think I, we've gone like three for three with the last ones. Yeah, I mean Venera. Both Venera eleven and Venera twelve had landers with two cameras. Um, for color imaging, but they failed uh, to return images. But here it just impacted the color images. Uh, this is 19, uh, late 1978, early 1979. Um, this, it looks like this lander actually did return a number of images um, before it was eviscerated. Um, and I don't see anything in the notes about a, um, 
uh, a bust of, uh, of Stalin or, or Lenin, uh, John or otherwise, uh, that went up and were um, preserved on the floor of the uh, um, planet uh, Venus. I'm just impressed you have notes. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm studying this. Look, I'm someone's going to go in and do the research, right? Someone right. is going to do the uh, someone's going to go do the research. But this actually, um, it's interesting. It uh, it, it it landed in 1979. It uh, actually stayed intact until early 1980 when it lost all contact with uh, with the Soviets. And I'm really? sure, I'm sure there were some. Um, important uh, um, uh, discoveries uh, that uh, came out of this. I just couldn't find them. Yeah, no, I'm, well, there's no doubt that obviously the Soviets were able to gather critical intelligence about stuff going on on Venus, which, you know, got them where they are today, right? I mean, look at this, look at the advancements the Soviet Union is making today as a result of the investment that they made in, you know, finding out all these happy facts about Venus, right? I mean, yeah. obviously that was the way to go. I mean, you know, we here in the States arguably, you know, could be on a downward slide, but the Soviet Union is just charging ahead uh, and in its heyday. And I think you have to attribute that uh, to the successes that they've had on Venus. And I mean, imagine what the Soviet Union would be like today if they had gotten those color pictures. Oh yeah, and I mean again, we don't know. We do, it's sort of a black box what goes on in the USSR, um, but uh, we don't know if they've got a colony on Venus or not. We just we haven't. We don't have the capability to find out. Yeah, because we've just we've never had the bold courage to crash twelve different vehicles into the surface of Venus. And it could be more. Listen, we we are not we are not at the end. Yet. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there's going to be more next week. Uh, but this is, uh, it's getting, let's just say it's getting interesting. All right. Let's say it. It's getting interesting. It's getting interesting. And that yeah. is uh, fascinating. Next week, we'll learn if there is a Venera 13 or if there were executions uh, throughout the Soviet Union um, for the repeated uh, lens cap issue. I understand they opened an entire bachelor of science program in lens capology as a result of the difficulties they had with the Venera program. And still to this day, there are some old timers in the Soviet Union who are, you know, they just know everything there is to know. And that's quite a bit about a lens cap. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really all you need to, uh, all you need to know is that they spent a lot of time on that issue after the fact and uh, look, the Soviet Union is no slouch when it comes to uh, space travel, as you well know. Yeah, space travel and injecting your athletes in preparation for the Olympics, which won't matter this year because no one's going to be there. True. Um, and again, I, th I think there is a lesson in um, all of this for the small uh, business owner. Um we already talked about the lesson about uh, uh, advertising on the Olympics, uh, but here uh, perseverance ultimately pays off. Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, we've, I, I am cheering for the newly minted degree program graduates in lens capology to get into this Venera program and get this thing figured out. Because again, it just seems to me that you should be able to get 
your lens cap off. Yeah. Well, again, uh, it, it all at the end of the day goes back to that famous uh, Soviet astronaut, Yanani Ganayan. So we'll, we'll get into that next week. Outstanding. I'm looking forward to it. As I know, our studio audience is some of them have made some very creative Venera themed headgear that they wear that, you know, some of them have little orbiting landers around their head. Some of them have actually hit themselves in the head with a lander and caused damage to both the lander and their head. Um, but the, that kind of dedication is what we like to see out of our studio audience. And frankly, what we expect if you're going to show up and be a part of the program. Now it's exciting. The wave is going out as we speak and they know what's coming. The final segment, uh, barter band, very exciting bronze Stevie award winning. Who knows what we're going to get this year. I know the awards are going to be in person. They're in Vegas. Brad and I are going to be there for a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll sign pretty much anything you have. That's not human anatomy related. Um, but really excited. But this week, Brad, throughout the show, there's this theme of prohibition bar, Band. Usually our producers have to go out long and, and far, cast a wide net to figure out what we're going to talk about in a bard and band segment. And this week mm -hmm. we had the pot smoking sprinter. We had the uh, Japan ban on mm -hmm. uh, 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 spectators at the Olympics. And it seems to me that we not using either of those, which are very, very important. They're, uh, they're um, interesting. They relate to current events. There must be something bigger, something, um, something better, something more timely, something that will be more interesting to the folks out there who uh, uh, rely on us uh, to give them our uh, little insights into our business acumen. So and shall we, be, shall yeah. we figure it out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Brad, it's lobster. Ah, the lobster. Ah, the lobster. Well, uh, the United Kingdom has um, uh, advanced legislation that would ban mm -hmm. or, or bar, whichever is the more the one that prohib prohibits it. Right. Um, would 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 ban or bar the boiling of lobsters alive? Banned, but barred, um, because it's inhumane. And it's a it's an animal welfare right to not be boiled alive. And, and you're going to say, David, listen, this doesn't make much sense. Why do lobsters get this unique protection? And I'll say, well, Brad, there's more. This this relates to the welfare rights, and I'm quoting, of all crustaceans and mollusks. Right? This oh. would include lobsters, crabs, octopi, octopuses, uh, squid, and other similar creatures of the sea or urchins even. Um, so uh, the UK is making headway with this bill. It is advanced through the House of Commons, the House of Lords. Um, it, is, uh, it, it, it is, I think, important uh, legislation. And, and keep in mind also, because I, I know you know this, uh, the boiling of lobsters and other crustaceans um, alive is already illegal in Switzerland, Norway, and New Zealand. Well, of course it is. I mean, look, the lobster lobby is a powerful thing, right? I mean, I can't, in the number of times that I've been in and out of the Capitol building in this country for various reasons, it is rare that I don't see two or three lobsters with little tiny briefcases going up or down the stairs because they've just been to see one legislator or another. So you discount the lobster lobby to your peril. So that's one. Two, I would like to know 
from the lobster lobby or its human representatives, whether or not lobsters, I mean, I imagine they must experience some discomfort. I just don't know a lot about them. And so if, if boiling is particularly heinous way to bring about a lobster's demise, then what is the lobster lobby recommending as the way to finish off the lobster before you then put it in the pot? Because it sounds to me like the legislation is directed at not boiling a live lobster. So, you know, the corollary one would draw from that is that you can boil a dead lobster, uh, but again, they have to get dead somehow. So is there an approved more humane or whatever the lobster version of humane lobs lob main is there a more lob main way to kill a lobster well brad it's funny you should ask that the uh variation of the bill that passed the house of lords and again we're talking about the uk would require and i quote that fishermen and chefs quote stun the sea creatures before boiling them so you if you're a chef you line the lobsters up apropos nothing you just drop your pants yeah. Lobsters are, of course, stunned by that, as any, yeah. you know, well-bred crustacean would be. And then you can put them in the pot? I, I, look, I think uh, you could I think you could certainly do that. Another thing you could do is take them on a mission to the planet Venus and just release them on the surface. I think that would uh, that would uh, that would that would that would do it. Um, yeah. uh, you know, another question is, do any of these lobsters have covid? And if so, is this some, some sort of an assisted suicide? Would that be exempt from this bill? It probably is. But, you know, I, I, again, I, I mean, it is it just does my heart good to know that we've gotten to the point on this planet where we have, you know, if you look at the long list of problems that face all of the occupants of the planet, ranging from human beings to crustaceans to whatever else the case may be, plant life, if you look at all the problems that we're all facing together, that we have been able to cross all of them off, apparently, up to the boiling of lobster issue. And, you know, now we're addressing it. So, I mean, I, again, I don't understand why there's worry about COVID or shutting down the economy or the Olympics, because clearly those problems must have been addressed and successfully so in order for us to have worked our way down to where it makes sense for the House of Lords to have spent time on this boiling a live lobster issue. So that has to be encouraging for most anybody, I would think. And, and don't don't forget the US always takes a cue from what the Brits are doing. Um, the folks at PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals have been pushing the US Congress to take a look at this. And they've also um, commissioned a test uh, to uh, test whether dosing the crustaceans, and I quote, with marijuana smoke could ease their pain as they're being cooked, to test whether exposing lobster to cannabis smoke reduced their trauma. Uh, so what the scientists did during this test is they placed several store-bought main lobsters in a sealed box filled with THC <laughs> for 30 to 60 minutes sense. at a time. Yeah. And uh, they found that all of the critters' uh, movements slowed down noticeably, and they were quite happy uh, when they uh, emerged from said box. Yeah, I'm sure they were. And again, I'm sure that was gover- government-sponsored research. Uh, I mean, we, we again, we must have cured cancer. Alzheimer's must not be a problem. Blindness, deafness. I mean, all these things must have been solved while I wasn't paying attention 
so that we could dedicate research dollars to whether or not you can get a lobster high. But e even <laughs> if we, even if we know that, I mean, again, I, I, I'm willing to believe I, 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 I'm not a, an expert in crustaceans of any type, but how do we know that, you know, they're just not digging it, right? Are we, are we measuring their, do they even have a pulse rate? I mean, how do we, it just seems like there's a lot of, a lot of questions here, but again, I'm going to go away happy because obviously we have, there's a lot of, you know, very important health risks, personal safety risks, risks to education of our children, all these things. And all of those must've been solved <laughs> while I wasn't looking so that we could get to this lobster issue. And so I'm happy to see us, you know, really diving in. Listen, listen, they, they found that the critters movements, this is from the report, noticeably slowed down while the samples taken later from their gills, claws, heart, brain, and liver revealed that the lobsters did indeed absorb the THC. And after removing and rinsing the lobsters from the THC bin, they lowered them into the 118 degree water to see how they reacted as they were boiled. Well, that's not even boiling. Unless it's centigrade, maybe it was centigrade. But, the, but were, again, so let me let me get this cooked. straight. Is there no irony here that we gave the lobsters THC and then apparently we cut them to bits so we could tell whether or not the THC had taken? How do these uh, people? I, I mean, again, if you're if you are concerned for the well-being of our lobster friends, and who isn't? giving them pot and then hacking them to pieces and measuring the amount of pot that's in each piece seems to be a bit ironic, but I'll tell you what, if I was Shikari Richardson, I would get a hold of that report and I would yeah. present it to the USATF and say, look, this is what I, even for a lobster, it slows you down. Right. Yeah, so and, and clearly I'm your best sprinter. Th th that's exactly right. Now here is the rub, right? The um, boiling crustaceans didn't take too kindly to being cooked. They still made distinct motor responses upon contact with the boiling water per the study. Uh, tail immersion resulted in a clear response of legs and claws or a strong flick of the tail, wrote the scientist uh, in the report. The conclusion, Brad, dousing lobsters with pot smoke doesn't dull their pain. So again, that's not the answer here. That's not the answer. We have to go back to the stun. Well, again, I mean, I, I'm a fan of the stun. I think it's humane or lob main. And if that's what works, that's what we should do. And I, again, I, I appreciate these scientists who, again, must have dedicated their lives to the curing of all sorts of debilitating disease, trauma-related issues, et cetera, and have now, having completed that life's work, said, you know what, I'll be willing to now step into the lobster arena. I applaud that. And, you know, I, I look forward, you and I both, to, to seeing our children live to the ripe old age of 200, 300, 400 years old, because obviously we've solved, you know, all the problems facing mankind uh, so that we could, you know, work our way down to the crustaceans. So, yeah. And look, Brad, this was only a $100 million study, so no one's perfect at that price point. Well, no, not at $100 million. I mean, if you want to write, you got to add a zero there. Uh, but again, I just appreciate the effort. That, that's right. Well, listen, everything has come together this week. We've pretty much touched on uh, everything. And uh, I, I don't know where we go from here, except off into the summer to uh, explore more our uh, state fair tour. 
uh, and get ready for another uh, another great week here. What do you well, think? Yeah, buddy, I'm all for it. Grab our driving friend, get him in that Winnebago, get that baby gassed up. I will meet you out there on the East Coast and off we will go. And while we're doing that, rest assured, all of our listeners on the shortwave radio, on the planet Venus, through the repeaters in Venera, et cetera, every week, just like this week, there will be a new episode of IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.